Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Leslie. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Leslie. I'm a compulsive overeater and a bulimic. Hi. Um, thanks, David, for asking me to share. And um, thank you all for being here. Um, I want to congratulate the CHIP people. It's awesome. Congratulations. And um, happy birthday, Aaron. Um, I can tell you uh, that OA works and that the steps work and that they have changed um, my life. And uh, I'll be forever grateful and um, always willing to do whatever it takes to keep this because I think it's for all of us at different points in our recovery to do what's asked of us whether we want to or not. And usually actually the most inconvenient things provide like the biggest results. Um, But uh, I'm just grateful that I have stayed in these rooms for as long as I have, you know, and I I really want to welcome you if you're new, and I want to tell you that you can stop eating compulsively, because when I came here, I wanted somebody to tell me how it was going to work, and that, because I was afraid, I was afraid to be home, I was afraid to be in my kitchen, I was, I was afraid to be near food, and you know, now I live in a world with, there's food everywhere, you know, um, but it doesn't call to me, and it doesn't do... I, I feel like I have relief from the obsession, which is a daily reprieve, and it's based really on my spiritual condition and what I do today. It doesn't matter what I did yesterday. It doesn't matter what I did when I was new. It matters what I do today, you know, and that's what I was just talking to Veronica about, you know, is that I can always take a little spot check of myself and see if I, how my program is, you know, and I do that frequently, you know, but I have a lot of people around me that keep me in check and a lot of people that um, I want to be a good example for. So anyway, welcome if you're new. And, you know, I came to Overeaters Anonymous um, in 1987. And uh, well, first I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it was like. Um, I grew up in a actually pretty normal family. My, um, my parents are, my dad's an engineer, he worked at Xerox for 47 years, he's very efficient, you know, if if I ever had any problems, I'd go to my dad and he'd basically say, let's get that on a spreadsheet, you know, and uh, my mother was crafty, she was always, you know, uh, painting things and sewing things, and and they were also kind of, uh, they were kind of hippie-ish in a way, um, because they sent me to S, they sent me to TM, my brother Michael, who's super smart, he um, he went to school in a bus one time for a year. They just <laughs> drove around the west side, and I guess there was no traffic back then. So now, <laughs> if you were in school in a bus, you wouldn't end up anywhere, you know. <laughs> uh, but he was on Art Link Letter when he was younger because he was just witty and bright, and and that and then I was sort of the he was like this. I always felt like he was the smart one. And then I was like the athletic kind of creative one, you know, and, and I was a really great athlete. I was a, I did gymnastics. I worked out, you know, six days of the week and I rode horses and showed horses. And um, 
it was pretty like a little teeny thing and um but the thing about me is that well first of all I, I never feel like I'm good enough you know I always had that that sense of um, first of all, wherever I am, I'm sure I should be someplace else, you know, and um, <laughs> if I want something, once I get it, I don't want it anymore. I want something different, you know, and, and I want what you have, and, and I want something better, and I want something else, and I think the greatest gift I have today is that I, I want my life, you know. I want the life that I have, and, and that also learn that, you know, my life is good because I take care of it, you know. It's like if I look at your lawn and you have a beautiful lawn, it's because you water it and mow it and do whatever you do to it, and um, I need to take care of my stuff, and so, and I also am a lot happier when I keep my eyes on myself, you know. Recently, I was sort of jealous of something, which I don't usually feel left out or jealous, and then I was really, I easily remedied, remedied it by just planning some stuff out that I wanted to do as well. So, anyway, but I, I just felt not good enough and definitely not smart enough, like that was a a theme, and I remember my dad told me my IQ when I was really young. He's like, "You're you're definitely you're smart, you know." But I never felt that way. I mean, I don't feel that way now. But um, and so so really, I started. Um, I remember being a kid, and my mother would like we would watch Benny and Cher on Sunday night. It's like when you had one TV, and my mom would have like weights on her leg, and she'd be doing like leg lifts and, and talking about Cher's stomach and. Um, how flat it was, and, and my mom's like 4'11", you know, she's, there are little women in my family, and they're all from Kentucky, you know, so they, they, they tended to get a little wide, but, um, uh, not that people from Kentucky are like that, but they're, you know, the, the shape of my family, and all the sisters, my mom has many sisters and a brother, but, so, so, I remember, like, my brother would gain weight, and my mom would, like, offer to pay him to lose weight, I somehow, remember thinking with my friends when we were in high school, we would go on all these diets. It was before cleanses. Like now I, I watch all these people cleanse at work. I find it kind of amusing. But um, we would we would think like, oh, we're going to – we would do the, – the big one we did was the Beverly – it was Beverly Sessions. The Al Sessions wife had a book of a diet. And, and we would get – we were going to do the diet, and we would start off strong, and then we would get stoned after school. And um, – <laughs> We would go home. We would like eat everything inside. And, but I definitely always had the idea that if I was thinner, I would be happier. And that if it's that thing that if I'm in a different place than I am now, I'll be happier. And I am a full believer in that happiness is a byproduct of good living. And that I am happy not when I get what I want, but when I want what I have. And so, because um, I have pondered happiness many times, you know, because there are many times when I've felt like. I'm not quite happy, but there's nothing wrong in my life, you know. And I, I believe also that the, the spiritual solution to this pro program solves that as well, and being of service in a big way. Because um, when I am thinking about you, it is very hard for me to be thinking about me simultaneously. And um, so, so I kind of – I was never really large, um, but when I, when I ended up um, – I ended up – drinking, and I was a crazy, awful child, and, you know, I became a hairdresser, and I was a big partier, and, and, but I was always trying not to eat, like, that was the theme of my life, I was smoking, I was doing crystal meth, I, we would take crosswise, which were awesome to clean your house, you know, and, and I ended up, you know, um, I got sober in 1985, and 
at the end of my drinking, I was I didn't eat, I didn't go to the market. I, well, I was uh, I was. I had a tambourine and I was playing fans at a place called Probe um, with all gay men and drag queens. And um, I lived like a really weird life. I mean, I didn't live like a normal person. I didn't sleep. I, like I said, I didn't eat. I never went to the market. I, I might drink grape juice and eat like, I don't know, wheat thins or I don't know. I, and I smoked. And so I ended up getting sober in 1985 when I was 22 years old. And that's when my disease just caught on fire, you know, because once I got sober and I was not drinking, I could not stop eating. I mean, it was it was frightening. Like that, I can remember the feeling today easily. Um, I was smoking, I was drinking coffee, I was eating, I was eating candy, and um, I couldn't stop, you know, and it was so scary. And then I started to, then I quit smoking, and then I started to throw up, and um uh, I thought that it seemed like an excellent solution to overeating, you know, because it was like you got to eat and then you got to erase it, you know. It was like it was like turning back time, you know. And it, it sort of gave me the sense that, like, I can do this. Like, I've got it under control. But, but what would happen is that I would – I didn't overeat all the time. Like, when I – it was like that. I can see it as a, as a switch, you know. I would be somewhere and I would think – I'm going to throw up. And once I had that thought, I would start eating like there was no tomorrow. And I could not – at first, I was not present with anybody I was with. If I was with people, I was not with you. I was thinking about, you know, where am I going to throw up? How am I going to throw up? You know, God forbid you ended up in a bathroom with multiple stalls. And, you know, um, and then I was just checked out and focused on I'm getting this food out of my body somehow. And um, – and I started to do that, which then separated me from people, from my sponsor, from, you know, and it just made me hate myself, you know. I already hated myself anyway, so it just made me hate myself even more, and I felt like a big liar, you know, because I was, I was sober, you know. I was sober doing this stuff, and but I was lying. And um, what ended up happening, I mean, I remember going to New York one time to visit my friend, and she went out, and I was kind of, I, I was going to do stuff by myself, and I ended up eating this haagen ice cream, and I threw up, threw up, threw up, and then I went and got one, and then I had to eat it down to the spot where I thought it was, like she had marked her ice cream, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and then I, like, overshot it, and then I had to go back to the store and get another one. I mean, I, like, spent my whole day in New York just throwing up in her apartment um, in the village, and uh, um, just that kind of stuff, that sneaky you know, just sick, lonely, like the loneliness, I think, of compulsive overeating is huge. Like, I don't know, I hear some bulimic to, like, throw up in pairs, like they do it as a social thing. I don't, I, I would never have done that, you know, and uh, uh, that's not me. But, um, so what ended up happening and how I ended up in Overeaters Anonymous was my sponsor one time looked at me and she said, what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> And because I, I looked, because what would happen was I was going back to school, and school really made me want to throw up. You know, I, I hate school, you know. I don't really like school now because you have to work, and I'm not really big on working. Like, I like things that are really quick. Like, I just want to wake up and speak French, but I don't want to take a French class, you know. Um, and, and so I, I, when she asked me that, 
I lie. I said, oh, I'm, I'm fine. But I remember thinking, like, if I lie to her, what's the point, you know? Because um, I was sober long enough to know, you know, how it worked. And um, and I trusted my sponsor. And so I, I, I remember I was driving on the 10 freeway. I came through the tunnel onto PCH. And I was like, I, I have to tell her. And I, I told, because I, I was afraid. Like, I felt like I had control, you know, and it's that lack of power is our dilemma, you know, that I didn't have any control. And even today, my body is not in, it's not in control, I'm not in control of it. You know, I'm a big believer in, in turning things over, in total surrender, in God's plan, you know, that I do my part and the rest will take care of itself and that um, God can remove that obsession from me, not me. And that God will put me where I'm supposed to be um, if I'm, like, if I have that, that desire to follow God's will in my heart, which um, is something that I've come to believe more and more over time. But anyway, so I, I ended up telling my sponsor, and she told me to call this woman, Thea, and who I still know today. And I don't even know if Thea went to OA, but she told me to go to an OA meeting. And off I went to... Um, uh, it was a meeting in Brentwood on Thursday. It was like a sexuality women's meeting. And, boy, when I got to that meeting, I was like, these are my people. Like, these are my girls, perfectionists. Like, I, I mean, I, I get it 100%. Like, I'm, I identified, but I was like, I'm not going to stop throwing up. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't let go of this thing that I think is working for me, you know, because I had all those weird behaviors that I did, you know, Weird things with my food, you know. I used to weigh myself every Monday morning in this little square on my you know, day runner. Like, it's like a day runner. Anyway, I, I have them all at home, so I save all that stuff. But it'd be like a square on my Monday, you know. And if it was high, I'd be depressed and eat. And if it was low, I was happy and I'd celebrate and eat, you know. So it, it was unsuccessful either way, you know. And um, and I was like a slave to all these weird behaviors. So. I ended up coming to OA, and I kept coming back, and I was just told, if you keep coming back, you'll you'll stop throwing up. And so I kept coming back, and um, I can tell you, like, I'm not sure if it was quite the last time I threw up, but um, I didn't want to gain weight either. That was a big thing, which, like I said, I wasn't in control of it anyway, and I don't. I believe that when you're eating like that, it's all over the place anyway. You know, I, I, I wasn't in charge of any of it. You know, I don't think bulimia is an effective weight loss method, really. But um, so the last time I threw up, I was at my mom's, and um, I was living in this, like, kind of room above the garage, like an apartment thing. And um, I, I was afraid to throw up in the toilet because I didn't want to clog up the plumbing because it had happened before and come up like in the flower bed, which is never good, you know, and um, completely humiliating. So I threw up in bags in the closet and I like tied them up and put them in the closet. And that to me, it's disgusting, you know, and um, and then I got rid of them. And, and, and then I, I, I went back to the, I was going to the Monday night anorexic bulimic meeting in West Hollywood at the Drug and Alcohol Center, which was on Robertson and then moved to Santa Monica Boulevard. And um, on Thanksgiving of 1987, I, well, I guess that was like the, the, the bottom for me. But then on Thanksgiving, I was so afraid to go to anywhere because I just knew that I could not stop eating. And so I, I went to this Thanksgiving party, an AA party, with a girl that I sponsored who was in OA. 
And we went together, and, and, you know, that's why OA worked, and that's why really any of the 12-step programs work, but because we identify with each other, and that I can't, but we can. I can never do anything alone, and, um, but we can do it. And so we went to this party, and we said, why don't we just go to the bathroom and get on our knees and pray? And so we asked God to just help us eat one plate of food. And then we came back out, and we got our one plate of food, and we ate it, and then we went back and prayed, and that was it. And I didn't throw up, and that was, um, well, it was uh, November 26th. It was Thanksgiving of 1987, and so I have been abstinent ever since that day. And that um, is truly, truly a miracle, you know. And, and it's not that I didn't want to throw up, but I was like, no matter what, no matter what I put in my body, it's not coming out, you know, and um, and I've been able to do that. And I'm, at, at first, you know, my food was all over the place, you know, I, but I, I was able to do that. And I think it's nice to have a bottom line abstinence that you can do no matter what. And then my food plan over time has done many different things with, you know, health stuff, pregnancy, all sorts of things. But um, I just knew that I had to be, um, a success because I always felt like a loser, you know, and it was said tonight in the chip kicking, you know, that I'm not perfect, I'm not doing it right, which I guess, you know, in AA you stop drinking and that's it. You know you're not drinking. In OA you eat every day. So it's a little it's a little bit different, you know, and um, but it's got to be something that we can maneuver the world with and, and also take on the road, take on vacation, take out of town. You know, I, I wanted freedom and um, and I think that that's kind of what I have today is that like sane and guilt-free eating because um, it doesn't weigh on me like it does. It doesn't mean I always have a perfect meal or I don't even know what a perfect meal is, but I'm not always happy with my meal, but you know, there's so many more coming that sometimes it's just good to close the door on it and just know that another one's coming and I can do better the next meal, you know, um, and that there's life in between those meals. And so... So I, I was coming to OA. I was uh, I, I wasn't losing weight. I was definitely up in weight. You know, I thought about my weight all the time. I thought about my size, my this. I mean, I used to do that thing. I stopped weighing myself. I got rid of my scale, which was is a wonderful thing. Um, and uh, but I would try on my jeans. That's what I would do instead. You know, so sometimes I would get trapped in the house feeling bad about myself, so why not try on my jeans for an hour, you know? <laughs> Just make myself feel worse. And, like, try on the jeans you wore at your thinnest, you know? And so so I would get trapped in that sometime. And, and it's all, like, self-obsession, you know? And my, my friend said to me one time, she goes, you, like – you're so mean to yourself. You, like, take out the big stick and just beat yourself up. Because when I look at other people, I think the nicest things about them. Never the stuff, like, that I think about myself, you know. And I sponsored a girl one time who was very fit and actually, like, a professional athlete. And she said, I think of people like trees, and there's all sorts of trees in the world, and they're all really beautiful, you know, but they're all different shapes and sizes. And, you know, this one tree isn't supposed to be like this other tree. And I was like, yeah, people are – I love people because who they are, you know. And um, that's what I see when I see other people. But that's not what I saw when I saw myself. But I, I did start to get better. And, and I was abstinent. And I remember I started to sponsor people where I was like, why? Why do they want me to sponsor them? I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And um, 
I'm not where I think I should be, but but as I started to sponsor people, I started to get better, a lot better, you know, and I had a lot of girls I sponsored back then, and I'm friends with a lot of them now, you know, and and we were all crazy, and we would all go to Cafe Figaro and order complicated meals with everything on the side and hold this, and nobody was having dressing, you know, I mean, it was like, I just remember that the orders were so complicated, and... Um, I'm pretty good now. I can order pretty much straight off the menu. I do get dressing on the side sometimes, but um, uh, I'm not too bad, you know. And um, But I have to say, Bobby, my fiancé, has this whole joke, like, I hate you to make my plate. Hate it. And so he's always like, hey, you want me to make your plate? You know, and I'm like, no. You know, and, and he also makes me, like, man plates. Like, he's a man, and he's really fit, and he eats a lot of food, and he'll make me a plate. I'm like, that's not my plate, you know. Um, that's your plate. Uh, but every now and then I'll just say, hey, you want to make my plate? And he, he likes it a lot. Um, uh, I give it to him every now and then. Um Anyway, so, so I, I started to get better, and, and I started to, um, I think I, I got married somewhere in there, and I got divorced somewhere in there, uh, but when I got married, he had, like, food in the house, you know, and his food was not my food. He would come home from the AA meeting with a boatload of brownies, or, and then I learned in OA that if something, I learned all sorts of little tricks, like, you know, just, just things that would help me stop eating, you know, because it's pretty hard to stop eating. It, it takes a, you know, I always think, like, I've got to pull out all the stops and use all those tools. Like, I'd have to pray. I'd have to write. I'd have to make a call and say, I'm just committing. I'm stop, not eating anything else until dinner. You know, uh, I'd take a walk. I'd brush my teeth, you know. In the worst times, I would just go to bed. You know, there were times where I was just like, I'm going to bed. And But I would start, I, I learned I could also throw things out that were like, no, working for me and calling my name. So I would throw his food out. And I lived on the, <laughs> on the 12th floor on Ocean Avenue. I had this great rent control apartment from Ocean View. It's like $375 a month. Um, but so, uh, <laughs> it was a really great, it was a gift of sobriety, really. I kind of got it, just God kerplunked it in my life. But, um, Anyway, so I would just walk to the trash chute, which was 12 floors up, and just throw his stuff down the trash chute. <laughs> but uh, I had to stop doing that, you know. And later on, like, <laughs> now, um, you know, like, I had a daughter, and then she would have food, and and sometimes I would pretend like I would, was buying her things. Like, she might want macaroni and cheese, but she really didn't. I wanted macaroni and cheese. You know, like, I never, never, you know, when you live with people and people around you, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that goes on. But I know for me, like, I need, now, I, I go to the market. Like, I, God does not do meal delivery. So if I'm going to have meals and I'm going to have food that I need, I need to go get it, you know, and, and have a plan. Like, I learned to have a plan. I learned to know, here's my day. Here's where I'll have breakfast. Here's where I'm going to have lunch. And after this, Bobby picks me up, and then we go and have dinner. You know, so I know where I'm going to eat. I have, like, snacks at work that I can eat. And um, and that is so helpful. But but I need to plan that, you know. I like that fail to plan, plan to lose, you know. Um, or did I say that wrong? <laughs> right? No, fail to plan. Well, all together now. <laughs> <laughs> Fail to plan, plan to lose. 
I need a plan. So, <laughs> simplify it. Anyway, but, um, uh, you know, and I got pregnant here. When you get pregnant, you get weighed. I did get weighed, and you gain weight. And, um, and I was really hungry when I was pregnant. But for, it was weird. I ate, like, really healthy food. And, and, um, and then when I gave – I remember having my daughter after I gave birth and was, like, nursing and stuff. I, I saw my body in a different light. It wasn't something for me to contort and try to fit into a size gene or, you know, it was a useful – like, wow, look what I did. You know, wow, that came out of me, you know, and um, and that was eating off me, you know. Um, uh, it's, just, it's so trippy, you know. Um, and now she's, like, so large, you know, and, um, well, she's, like, my size. But uh, um, all that was great. And, you know, around then I got divorced, and that was a horrible, horrible time in my life. And, um, and, and during that time I got really thin, and... I learned, okay, with my old idea, if you're thinner, you'll be happier. The times that I was the thinnest, I just, I ate, but I was so stressed out. You know, it was, we got divorced, and she was not even one, and it just was a very hard time. And, and I was eating, but I was just totally losing weight from stress. And um, my mother was bringing me insure at work, and um, I even felt like I was too thin, you know, and... Um, and I was miserable. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, I got kind of thin. And I was not really miserable. I felt more spiritual then. But um, so thinness doesn't equal happy. You know, um, I I believe that 100% now. You know, I just need to be where God wants me to be. You know, I want to be, now I want to be, as I get older, I just want to be healthy. You know, I, and because I have had cancer and I have been, you know, had some pretty heavy health things at that I want a healthy body, you know, and I, you know, I've been cutting hair for 34 years. I want to be able to stand up. I want to be able to work, and I want to be able to, you know, walk and, and work out and go to yoga and do all the things that I, I really love to do. So, you know, I am, um, I sponsor a lot of girls here. I see all their little faces, and um, they help me tremendously, you know, because, Everything I tell the people to spon- that I sponsor to do, I do, you know, and it keeps me on my toes, you know. I'm, I'm a big believer in prayer, and I'm a big believer in meditation because I actually spoke at another meeting last night, but somebody asked me a question about that prayer and meditation in my spiritual life, and I, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I, I believe, like it says in the big book, you know, it says that there's that line in the agnostics that says, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive. It's open to all of those who seek. And so, basically, this is a spiritual program. Sorry if you, you know, sometimes feel a little horrified by the God factor. But the big book's pretty loose about finding any God you believe in, which could be the group, could be nature. I, I believe very much in the power of the group, you know, and that it, we, there's no I, it's we. Um, and that I have been able to develop this larger spiritual life, which has carried me through the worst of times. You know, my sponsor dying, my dad's girlfriend dying of Alzheimer's, you know, me having cancer and that whole horrible thing. You know, my daughter's boyfriend being killed really tragically. Um, Things that were unacceptable, but... I believe that God either is or isn't. And so I'm either in God's grace and that God will not give me more than I can handle and that I can always lean into that power and know that 
in hindsight and in looking back, not that I wanted every experience, but it, it, it brought me to where I'm supposed to be because God's got my back. You know, God's got a plan for me even though I can't see it. I just have to relax, take it easy, you know, which is what I think meditation does for us, you know, and um, it helps me to slow down, be quiet, pause, and listen because I spent a lot of my life very busy, 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 going, multitasking, and I thought that's where it's at, you know, and that's where I get, you know, that good feeling of I'm doing a good job, but I don't believe that so much, and cancer did that for me a lot because I, I couldn't see at all. I had cancer in my eye, and I, I couldn't see for a while at all, and, and that'll slow you down tremendously because I felt really, like, off in the, in the world, you know, walking, I mean, bumping into things, like, it's very weird, and so it slowed me down, and, um, and it stopped me from shopping, you know, because I couldn't see when I went in stores. We were just having a little shopping spiritual discussion before the meeting. Um, but uh, anyway, so so I wouldn't have, wouldn't trade any of that. And and um, it talks a lot in the book about failing to enlarge your spiritual life. And so that's what I've really worked on, and that's what I believe is my job. Like I have a job in Overeaters Anonymous. I have a responsibility to be here for the people I sponsor, for people who are new, to be an example so people know how to do it. You know, it's like in Dr. Bob's last talk, you know, it said don't get too busy to give the newcomer a pat on the back, show them how it works, you know, take them to a meeting or two because everybody needs that, you know. And so I can tell you how it worked for me, but everybody will have their own experience, you know, and that's what makes it so rich. And so um, I guess I'll... I can take a couple questions, but I, I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful that I'm abstinent at 29 years, and um, I, I feel like I'm happy, joyous, and free, and I was, I was saying, you know, I, I went through so much bad stuff, too, that, like, I told my sponsor recently, I said, everything's pretty good right now, and she's like, oh, enjoy it, it won't last, which, and that's what I love, too, is that I, I can totally... Or Bobby said... We, me and Bobby were talking. I showed him some picture of himself the other morning. He goes, God, I look so old. I'm like, dude, you look great. You know, and he's like, it's all downhill from here. I said, Jesus Christ. I said, forever the pessimist, you know. So I said, that must be my job to buoy you back up and then make a little fun of you so we can lighten our load, you know. Um, but that's what we can do here is just kind of lighten our load and then walk out walk out of a meeting always feeling a little bit better and a little more hopeful, you know, and that's, that's what I want is hope that there are always good days ahead for me. So thank you for having me share. Anybody have a question? Um, I said, God is or isn't, and how do I keep my faith in God? And what does God look like for me? Um, You know, I think the spiritual experience is a journey. You know, it's 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 like like working out at the gym. Peaking is like flexing your muscle. And uh, there are many things, too, that say it, it doesn't matter if you believe in God at all. It just matters that you take the action. 
And I think for me, and I, I'm, I also 100% believe that pain is the, touch, the touchstone of all spiritual growth, like it says in the 12 and 12. I don't think you get, I, I've gotten up on my best days and thought, God, I'm going to really get spiritual today and work hard, you know. I just do my quick prayer, thank you, God, gratitude list, you know, and off I go about my happy day. I think it's when the pain has been the worst that I have sought for comfort in understanding and power, and there, God, there are so many things that I read that have such great things, like that power is available to all of us. All you have to do is ask for it. That's it. And then, but you have, kind of have to wait because God is old and he works very slowly, you know, so, uh, it's not quick, um, but I think in the beginning, I just did what my sponsor said. I pray in the morning. I prayed at night. I read the big book. I, you know, read some spiritual things. I kind of did it. But I think over time, I've wanted more. And I've also had times when I've had everything in the material sense that I've wanted in my life and been completely unhappy inside. So if it's an inside job, then I'm going to have to seek for something else that provides that good feeling. And... Um, that is, well, being of service. And, and so what I do now is I do the same thing every morning, you know, which is a gratitude list, some reading, some prayers, and I meditate every day. We, I meditate every day um, at five minutes to ten minutes, twelve minutes, nothing too long. I believe the, your, your morning routine should be something doable, or else you won't do it. I won't do it. It's too long, too complicated. But I think that I have read so many things, and there are so many visuals for me about you know, me taking my problems and putting them in God's, the palm of God's hands, that prayer is like the incense that wafts up to God, you know, that um, uh, just, I, I like all those things that, like, things that tether me to God. So I think about how it is, and then I just look around, and I can see God in you. I can see God in the ocean. I can see God in dogs and cats and horses and, you know, just like the pure good things in trees and in the moon, you know, and so... I just continue to look all around, but I think that's the exciting thing about that journey is that everybody has their individual journey, but it's okay. I'll end with this. It's kind of like Waze. When you're in your car and you tell Waze where you want to go, so say you're going to God, but you veer off another direction. It goes, and it takes you right back to your path. So maybe you go another direction and you try something else, some self-will, some ego, whatever, and then it goes, and it takes you right back. So... As long as you're here and seeking, whether you believe what it or not, you will always be pointing in that direction. And But I, I think, for me, when I have had the hardest times, it's when I'm like, God, help me. Please send it now. And I've gotten it. So, um, thank you. <laughs>